is the Jim Cren No Restrictions Podcast. We're coming to you nationwide. We are coming to you worldwide on the Sideshow Network. It's Mike Wysocki, Terry Jones, Mike Sasson, and here's your host, radio and comedy legend. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Jim Cren. Jim Cren. <laughs> what the hell was that? Sound of her music or something. Did you hear something? Yeah, yeah. I did. Okay. Jim Cren, no restrictions on the Sideshow Network. We have, of course, behind the scenes, Frank Mergia, uh, Dave Settemeyer, and Josh Folio. And, of course, in studio right here with us, Wayne Wow, working all the sound and keeping us all together here. And in studio, my partners in crime, Mike Wysocki, Mike Sasson, and Terry Jones. And we're at the studios here at, at Talent Network. And I just want to start off, kick things off, talking a little bit of football. Our, our Steelers lost... This week, it was tough for us here in Pittsburgh. Uh, Kansas City upset us. I know they were favorite. We still call it an upset. We were expecting to win. Uh, and my, my fantasy football didn't have a great week, but that's what I love about FanDuel. If you don't have a great week, you can come back the next week. It's a one-week fantasy football type of thing. FanDuel is real money. It's really fun you get to pick your teams you keep it under a cap it's very easy to do very easy to sign up you're expecting to pay out two billion dollars with a b this year so can you win you're thinking oh i don't know if i can win. yeah there's they're paying out two billion this year alone you build your team by picking players staying under the cap sit back watch it's, it's fantasy, right? Watch the players, see what they did, get some sleepers, entry fees. What's the cost you're thinking? You could enter for a dollar. One dollar you're in. And if you're like me, you love football, we're football fanatics, it's a way to show your knowledge, your football knowledge to yourself, to your friends, to your family. Prove it at Fandle.com. Been having, I had a rough week last week, but I said, I'm coming back this week. I'm not worried about it. Go to FanDuel.com. Click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use my code KREN, K-R-E-N-N. Sign up now. Special offer for new users. Every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. Offer is only good for the first 50 people that use my code KREN today. K-R-E-N-N. Don't forget to use my code KREN. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's FanDuel.com. F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. Well, guys, I got to start the show with a, I think I found my disorder. We talked about it on our, on our morning show, Q92.9 FM. I don't believe we talked about it on this show, have we? No. And I want our podcasting audience to know, and some are the one and the same, who listen to the morning show and listen to podcasts, which we appreciate. I think I have something called selective sound disorder. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine was telling me about this, and she's friends of Hetty and I, and she, she uh, cuts her hair, hairstyles. And she's really <clears throat> great girl. And she's talking about her husband. She says, yeah, you know, I, I might have this thing. It's, 
it's probably it's like you know my sickness and i go what's sickness i'm worried about it what she goes yeah my husband when he gulps drinks or something i just don't like the noise like when you're gulping i'm like you're kidding me she goes no it's it's actually a disorder called misphonia and it's also called selective sound disorder so we're laughing you know but i go i go you know her name's liz and i go liz <clears throat> they're never gonna do like a walk for the cure for you <laughs> <laughs> who the heck's gonna no one has sympathy for someone who has a, a, an order a thing with sound but so i started reading about it more and more and i'm laughing as i'm reading i'm like this is so weird man it's like if it's like if you have one sound like slurping gulping grinding teeth little noise here and there obviously selective right so you're selecting the sound but it actually literally gets you angry <laughs> and people around you don't understand why you're angry from the sound. And as I start reading, I'm thinking, well, Liz has it. But I'm thinking, holy shit, I think I have it. Yeah. I have selective sound disorder. Because sometimes when Hetty will gulp with a drink or something, or I'll hear a sound out of you know nowhere, it'll just throw me <laughs> off. And you guys have seen it. I've oh, done yeah. that yes. with you guys. We, yes, we've seen it. Right? You've, oh, yeah. you've done it. Yeah, and you've and, a, and it. a sound oh, yeah, yeah. will just oh, yeah. freak me out. And that's what that is. That's my this. I have a disorder, amongst others, probably. That I'm, but this is one discovered. <laughs> Which there's no. Well, I looked this up too. There's nothing I can take. No. Uh, no. Alcohol. I thought medicine would no. be good. just just, just get used to get just something. get drunk, Jimmy. Just, yeah. Well, I don't know. I could help. <laughs> there's nothing. You got, I got nothing. Nobody cares about my disorder, by the way, mm -mm. or my sickness. There's not going to. Lizzie was. I thought about it, but there is no walk for the cure. Imagine if that sound that you annoyed you was laughter. Wow. Could you imagine wow, if that was your be... selected sound? <laughs> like, like what is that? You're, begging, you're, like, <laughs> you're the best comic in the world, and you're just sitting there. Stop it. Boom. You're like, shut up. <laughs> Everyone shut up. You bastards. And they think Why that's are you part doing... of that. <laughs> that's why they laugh more, yeah. and it hurts more. Yes. <laughs> I'm in a ball. Why are you doing this to me? You're I have Masonia, you assholes. You're the best well, Lenny Bruce. And, and, and they said, they said. That because no one understands Masoniacs. I made that one up. I don't know if it's called Masoniac. Masoniac. <laughs> they fall into depression because no one understands mm -hmm. their noise. Mm -hmm. And I told Hetty about this whole thing. I said, yeah, when you gulp, sometimes. She's like, you're fucking crazy. That <laughs> Which is a, wasn't really. <laughs> Not the sympathy the you're empathetic looking for. The empathetic response yeah, yeah. Masoniacs are looking for. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what us Masoniacs get. Met with derision and scorn. I don't know if I like Masonia. What is it called? Mis misphonia? Misphonia. You made up the so. word. Misphonia. <laughs> I didn't make it up. <laughs> it's selective sound disorder. Wayne, get the right word, would you please? Risonia. Misphonia. Look look up misphonia and selective sound disorder. See if that's one and the same. SSD. Misphonia. 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 It sounds like a freaking bad uh, pageant winner. Yeah. Like woman, one tit. Misphonia. <laughs> <laughs> Tit in the middle of her body. Yeah. It's just one large tit. Misphonia. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Misphonia. I, I, uh, I, I don't have a, a chance to get the cure because no one cares. Doctors aren't working on it. There are no doctors working on it. There's no Jonas Salk going to work on this. No, uh -uh. Last week we talked about the couple, Yeah, which Terry brought up. And we had to bring on a more show. The couple who invented uh, the, cure the cure for, for cancer, cancer. Mm -hmm. which, by the way, Mike Sass and I actually found a freaking soundbite on the news show, like their local news in Oklahoma City was off the charts funny. I mean, they took it serious as could be, which was beautiful. You know, <laughs> the couple who had the cure, and they interviewed them in, in the soundbite. 
Oh, it's absolutely. Cr- it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though, Jimmy. I think you can help because they always say that if you have a disease that needs curing, mm-hmm. get celebrities to get it. That's true. So then now so now you're, big, you're a celebrity mm-hmm. that has it. You come out. Now people want to help you. Now there will be a walk. You can have the Jim Cren walk. Mm-hmm. But the problem is everyone has to be real quiet about yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you can't make any noises. A silent and plus, I'm not really a, I'm not a big celebrity. I'm more of like a, above a clown in a circus or something like that. Like he's he's like kind of known. You love like a little clown, like like Benny the Clown or something. No. Like they're like the circus is coming to the end and then starring Benny the Clown. Man. I'm kind of like a notch above Benny, no. slightly. <laughs> but when Benny's in the room, Benny takes over the notch above me. But so we may need like some real big guy. We got Clooney has to have it. But here's yeah, that's that's what we need. We need to come out and we need to Clooney find Clooney. someone else that's annoyed by sound like that. It's gotta be Clooney. It's gotta be every day I wake up with a nightmare of slurping. <laughs> slurp, slurp, slurp. I get a breakfast and there it is. Someone's slurping down an eggs, drinking, <laughs> drives me nuts. I punch a wall. I punch Matt Damon. I punch myself. I have misphonia. I'm George Clooney. That's why, hurts. that's why he got rid of those models. They were always just slurping. Uh, <laughs> grinding your right? teeth. Uh. Slurping and grinding your teeth. And it drove me nuts. Uh. Literally. I'm George Clooney, and I'm nuts. <laughs> I have misphonia. I, I just, yeah, we need a big guy to have A big girl, big guy. Big woman has to have it, you know. Big woman. We need a big woman, actually. Yeah. Rosie. Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell could have it. Yeah. That's then, huge. But then Trump would be against it. Yeah, stupid, dumb disease, figure she has that. <laughs> slurp, slurp, there you go, Rosie. It's a loser's disease. Loser, <laughs> stupid disease. I told you she had something like that. I forgot she existed until you I, guys Well, yeah, I know, really. Trump saved her career. It. Yeah, he did. I don't get whole, the whole Rosie thing on The View, why she was so popular. I hate that show. Ah, uh, me too. I don't think they're probably looking at us when they look at demo. They have, our pictures don't come up in the demo. No. We're at these two guys right here. <laughs> Yeah, they don't want they don't their their demo doesn't include people who want to be entertained. But uh, <laughs> but the, uh the only way you'll hear the words Joy Behar coming over our mouths is in pain or yeah. drunk. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that de- follows the punchness wor- got George Behar, George Behar. <laughs> then the word sucks comes out. But mm-hmm. uh to me, like you talk about uh, Donald Trump yesterday, I, I the most Donald Trump quote I've ever heard. It was one of the most frustrating things. So he's on one of the Sunday morning shows, and the guy who's running there goes, you know, a big deal about um, Republicans is they want a balanced budget. How quickly do you think you could have a balanced budget? And he goes, well, you know, uh, first off, uh, as soon as possible. But as you can know, no one's going to do it better than me because I'm going to bring so many great jobs. It's going to be so great. We're going to have so uh, I'll balance the budget uh, and nobody will have a more balanced budget than me. Everything like that. And he took that as an answer. Yes. Because like they were looking for a date. They were looking for like a year, three Mm, years by uh the end of your first four years. He's like, no, but I'll do it better than anyone else in the history of the world. It'd be the best best budget you've ever seen. (laughs) Well, the best thing about you're right. The best thing about him is. When he's doing the uh, interviews, right, Mike, he goes, uh, he answers like that. They accept it. <laughs> but he always goes back that he does it all the time. Like, yeah. no matter what, you know, mm-hmm. budgets, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, he says that first, too. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up, budgets or something. I do those, I do those all the time. See, I do them every day. This is annoying. This question's annoying because <laughs> I do those every day. I just did a budget. <laughs> I do budgets. The budgets in my pocket. These are I'm, I'm bud. I full of budgets are upstairs. <laughs> in the offices upstairs. I just I do six, seven, ten budgets a day. That's what I do. I'm a budget maker. That's like I created budgets. That's I'm a budget man. So to, to to tell me or ask me about when the budget would be done is of course it's done already. I did it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I did it. I can't tell you. I, I just I, I won't I won't give out that fact yet until because then the Chinese will later know. on when I have to give out that fact. And it's, it's, just, it's just silly. It's silly. We're being budgeted to death by the Chinese. The Chinese are, they're budgeting us. They, they, they've been budgeting us. They've been this this president. The budget just budgeting him. Yeah. <laughs> the Mexicans are sending their bad budgets. And we, yeah, I love the answers. Like he does his answers. That's cool. And he gets away with, like you said, he gets away. No one follows that. They don't question him because they don't want to lose him. If they fight with him, then he won't be on their show, and then they won't get ratings. Mm-hmm. No one questions Hillary either. No. Same thing, man. They get away with anything. They don't want to lose them as an interview. Emails. Yeah. What about the emails? Emails. Emails. Shmemails. And throws her hands up. <laughs> shmemails. Oh, God, those emails. <laughs> That's uh, it. You, get, you keep going. You know, they, every, it, Benghazi. Ah, they, they, they don't answer questions. <laughs> it's the greatest gig in the world running, I'm sure. When you run, you could promise everybody everything. You could literally change your every day. No, you know, promise, promise. Likeable, likeable. Half the country's not going to like you anyway, but still, you can promise away. Mm-hmm. When you become president, it, it's, the, it's a whole new game. Because everything you decide. They had a writer from Vanity Fair follow. It's either Esquire or Vanity Fair. I apologize for it. If you Google it, this writer following President Obama. I am telling you, he went through a week. Obama gave him access of like seven, eight days. It, was, um, it, was, it had my head spinning. There were decisions he had to make that literally could have been wars breaking out during that week, and he said that was a normal week. Like on planes accidentally going in airspaces, and Mm -hmm. should we shoot that down? Should we give it a warning? It's not listening. Things like, I'm saying things like that where one decision the wrong way could change things for that day. This guy's making them on an hourly basis. They're coming at him. Every group hates him. Because you're the president. Mm-hmm. The ones that love you, they love you. But there's going to be half of them or more that don't. Mm-hmm. So they're coming at you all day long. Not just President Obama, President Bush, President Clinton. doesn't matter what party you're from. You're president. you got to deal with that. Every I don't know why. I was sitting there thinking, man, this guy. You know, Obama had it made. If he doesn't run for president, he's the most popular guy in the world, really. Because he mm-hmm. could be the senator who would have won. I admire the fact that he took the gamble and won. I admire the fact he took the guts. I admire the fact GW. Anybody who has the balls to run and win, I got to give them respect. We're the greatest country on earth. No matter what your party is, we fight on each side. It ends up working out somehow. It has since days of George Washington. And this next president, I'm sure we'll do fine. We have a nice setup. Georgie. We got a good setup. So it is interesting, though, as we go along in this day and age, the way we have to deal with, with the debates we are still way far out from even any kind of votes being cast, and we are already dealing with in-depth interviews on these people. We only have probably four candidates, mm-hmm. and there's 20-some in the field, which is a ridiculous thing in a way. That's what I want to get into. Webb, uh, Jim Webb, he dropped out. Decorated hero and all that kind of stuff, right? Marine. Marine. Saul documentary. He's a badass man. He'd been made, he would have made a great president, I think, a fine president. It, it, it was it, he had one percent. All the other people, one and two percent. When? How long do you stay in? You're getting millions of dollars from these groups because you have to raise money to stay in. How long do you stay in? Because you're kind of wasting the money. Why not just give the money to charity and get out? Like you have three million, say, in the thing mm-hmm. to, to buy your yeah. dinners, your yeah. plane fare. Why would you keep going when you could just give it to a charity 
and just say, all right, I, it's just not going to work unless you're doing it for a book deal. Well, that's the thing. You think about like a Santorum or a Huckabee or any of these guys still to this day, they get TV shows, they get on. And then you even talk about you sit there like the the aphrodisiac of just being loved and, and, and admired and everything. Mitt Romney, even this past weekend or like last weekend, was doing some of the Sunday morning shows. And there's talk about that if Trump, if the Republicans feel that, you know what, Trump's not electable and he's actually can't get the, the support, they might even bring Romney back into it because he's op- he's saying they're behind closed doors saying, yeah, I'll do it. And he's lost twice. You know, that's, that, that's right. And this guy's a billionaire with a B. Yeah. He doesn't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. That's interesting. I, I would not be surprised, guys, if Romney's the vice presidential choice for Trump. And that would be a very strong ticket, actually. Yeah, it would be. Because as l- much of a loose cannon Trump is, Romney is grounded in Romney, even though he got beat, is still popular. And you get more popular after you, you when you're not running. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, this is a, a interesting. Thing. What made me think is Doctor. Do you know who Doctor Wayne Dyer is? He's like a self help guy. Passed away a month ago. I have a lot of his stuff. And I've been. Re- I, was, I was listening to some of his stuff, and he was talking about people liking you or whatever. Like because we want people to like you. Like even when we do a uh, a, a show like ours, we we want people to like us. With Doctor Nancy Burke just walking in here, so I'm kind of leaning into the psychology side of the the show. Doctor Nancy Burke has just walked in the studio. To say hello, Doctor Burke. Hello. How are you, Nancy? Good to see you. I'm great. I f- I figured out why I keep coming back. Why? It's because I raised two boys, two teenage boys. Yes. And it's an empty nest now, and so ah. I'm gravitating towards all the nonsense. Right. <laughs> we can get I miss nonsense. I miss them, and you guys are like. You missed the ridiculous talk. <laughs> Did I? No, well, yeah, and here there's I'm always gonna, more where that. Yeah, there's, it's, there's an <laughs> infinite amount of, 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 yeah, of ridiculous talk. It's usually ridiculous, but I was trying to get excited. I, I knew you were coming in, and I started talking about Dr. Wayne Dyer, who passed away. Right. And uh, we were talking about elections. Okay, we were talking a little politics stuff. But he said his thing. I was listening to one of his elections. I thought it was kind of cool. He said about being liked, wanting to be liked, and how we're trying to, you know, performers, we all want to be liked. Way it is, yeah. People basically want want to be like. And he said the biggest landslide. They said the landslide was uh, was it Nixon beat McGovern? the Watergate one, McGovern, I believe, or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, it was like, it was the biggest landslide, right? Ever, and and he still got forty seven, forty six or forty seven percent or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. He said, think about that. He said, he said that's the biggest landslide. Word landslide. Still forty seven percent. Liked him. That means 47% didn't like the other guy, and he was the most popular ever in our history. So use that example like you can't please everybody Yeah. in life. Like there's no way everything we do in one hour is going to please everybody, right? And everyone listening, the same in your life, right? And you know, probably listen to the show, and certain points you like, certain points you don't. We appreciate you, the overall, giving us the overall grade, and we appreciate that of liking us. But it's such an interesting thing when you think about that. That's a hell of a big percentage to be not liking you, in other words. Yeah, and it does great... make us feel weird when we don't aren't like, but but there's no way, there's no earthly way you can get maybe more than that even. No. It's an interesting way to look at it. And, you know, I'm 
I'm the same as you guys. I have a high need to be liked, and it can be earth-shattering when you realize, you know, you kind of think, oh, everybody likes me. No, they don't. When you get yeah. a criticism. <laughs> yeah. And how that voice, the inner voice, we all have this inner voice. The ego. And our inner voice, yeah, is, is, or our inner voice is the most critical. And mm-hmm. and how about with when you get, like, as a professor, you know, students mm-hmm. have to do evaluations now, the yeah. professors, you'd get, like, I'd have 90 students, you'd get, like, all... 89 great things and then one would say she certainly you know she certainly had a bad hair day and doesn't know what she's talking about you would cling on to the one yeah. it's like when you're doing comedy right you cling on to the one bad thing <laughs> and you're like wait a minute there yes. were 89 great off. ones yeah one thing I, I just find it fascinating because I I do that well, I mean, we all do. And then the, the, one of the things, um, I always love the Louis C.K. quote. He sat there and goes, anybody who wants every single human being to like them is has a form of mental illness. Because there's no way that every single human being possible, but you're right, in terms of entertainment, we're trying to get as much, but we're also trying to get our, we, it's like we get, we want to have as many people, but we also want to have our core people and we understand to have core people, you need to kind of piss off somebody. Right. Some people just yeah. aren't going to like you. or yeah. That's the way it goes, whether music or art or yeah. comedians, especially comedians, because we say sarcastic things. That's, that's the big thing with social media, too. You know, you see a lot of people that might be insecure with themselves, especially mm-hmm. like there's a lot of uh, women on Instagram and things. They'll post like a provocative picture just for likes and they'll keep doing it, keep doing it. And then they get followers and they get the likes and they need those likes. So we kind of live in a, a time where everybody wants to be popular now. You're right. Fame and, for fame. Yeah. YouTube, I get like I remember I did a parody of a song and it has a lot of views, but I got a lot of death threats. Really? Uh, for doing- <laughs> you actually got threats. Yeah. Uh, messages and stuff. You. And like, yeah, literally really? like going through. If you go through the comments, it's like, like a John Hinckley you, kind yeah. of thing. Or but it was wild. Um, but like I always say nice things back to him. I'm just like, oh, thanks for watching. And then they're like, you know, I really just had a bad day. <laughs> Serial killer. Yeah, like, you, know. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I usually kill 10 people, but I had some extra sugar. Today. <laughs> got a little crazy. I think Ooh. being bullied is what helped me. Being bullied? Being bullied help me yeah to understand you get thick that skin you get thicker skin you and do you know you learn how to handle that dance with that you're just like ah fuck them that and uh growing up in a church because i always looked at it like this jesus brought people back to life and he healed people and he was the greatest man on earth and people still hated him yes I look at this it. is god we're yeah. talking about what yeah. we believe but you yeah. know even if you're not religious about, and you man, think of that story it's our god it's the believe idea it, i believe it's jesus yeah think about that yeah, they hated him, and he, and he was crucified. He was crucified, I, and they threw stones at him. Wow! My my son, who's in entertainment, says to me, "You know, you've made it when you start getting those criticisms, like Terry saying, you know, that's what that's almost what you want.' Like I call and go, oh my gosh, somebody said this. That, that's a spammer, but whatever. This is great. <laughs> this is great when somebody says this is a middle. You know, when somebody calls you a middle aged woman talking about whatever, excellent. It means they're listening. But yeah. great. Well. Yeah, I agree, Nance. Your son says because as a performer, what we want to do is we want to emit, we want to emit emotion. We want to bring emotion. We want to touch upon everybody and goals to make them happy, laugh. But if sometimes that emotion go different ways mm-hmm. for certain people, but it's still emotion. So maybe that's not the goal. Maybe that's not the person that's going to be healed or laugh. Mm-hmm. But at least we know we're emitting the the emotions coming out. Maybe. 
it's not it's that inner voice going there when the critic's talking to you that's there it's all they're saying is my inner my voice is stronger than your inner voice yeah. you're saying you suck mm-hmm. well i know you suck i'm confirming your inner voice and and i'm louder than it so we try to give it more credit we say well yeah that, that, i agree because i my inner voice says it so uh it's another one saying it and they're they're saying and now if your instinct is that you're not that you're funny you're good you're doing though also that's what they're challenging too they're challenging your 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 the inner voice that you're saying that you're good, you're confident, things are going well, you think this is great, you know this works. They're challenging it saying you're not. They're trying to say I'm louder than you, I'm not I'm not as good. Well, and then the other thing you talk about social media, that's how you get attention. If you write an article saying, hey, isn't everything going great and isn't everything popular the best thing ever? No one reads that. Mm-hmm. But right. if you write the article that sits there and says, you know what I hate? Football, rock and roll, apple pie, and pizza. Then people will be like, "Oh, I'm, I've got to read this. This person's provocative. I've got to." Yeah. And so you get the, provo- you yeah. know, you, you know, get the, you funny. get the attention. It's funny. There's a certain pop culture brand of comedy that centers around whoever's leading the way in the night in the night circle, the uh, talk show circuit, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And kind of David Letterman is kind of an angry style of comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the comedians and Louis C.K. whatever. Mm-hmm. You could see that in them, the 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 Letterman esque style, mm-hmm. you know, kind of very brilliant, brilliantly funny, but very, you know, I'm the same guy in an insane world and this craziness and mm-hmm. kind of a curmudgeony kind of act, character act. I get it. It's funny. It's brilliant, actually. Uh, now Fallon is not. Fallon is more light, funny, goofy, not serious, like you. It's more my style, personally, more where I you know like. Mm-hmm. But I see that style becoming dominant now. I see Letterman's style leaving, and that style becoming dominant because I believe of guys like Fallon. And you could see like Conan was more like that. Even Kimmel, I think that's when Leno got in a little bit of heat, hot water mm-hmm. with Kimmel. And I think that's what he meant with that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Kimmel's very funny, but he even says he's the disciple of David Letterman. Hmm. But I think this trend is going more toward the Fallon esque kind of humor i don't think people are i think people are just tired of the angry yeah it's a cycle everything is shit cycle and and, you know yeah i think it's a cycle but i do think it's coming back more to the carson era which is that fallon era believe it or not carson was more silly people don't realize but he was you know i was just thinking in terms of the psychology of all this for all of us Mm -hmm. as you know comic everybody talks about building your brand right uh, whether it's comedy or merchandise or whatever sure so maybe the way we should be viewing it is as we build our brand a brand doesn't cover everything you know there are plenty of different kinds of uh beer or or you know wine or or uh, whatever dresses so if if we build our brand really well we have to just absolutely accept that it's only going to appeal to a certain subset of the population we hope it's a big subset but it's not the whole population so i'm going to try to remember that and mike sasson (laughs) for putting that in our point well i mean and you talk about like the letterman i mean I'm gonna, write an, I'm gonna write you an email, Mike. I like you. you. Thank you. <laughs> I like anybody who wants to no, write me right. an email telling Mike, me they like me. Then Mike, go ahead. He, Mike, Mike Saki does, and he's gonna write you suck. <laughs> email. I get that email every. I get that email every every noon. I know that the, the Wasaki you suck. Here's what you did wrong, Mike. But uh, but the thing about and that's the thing that to me I, I I always believe that you can't be about what's happening now because by the time it's your turn, what's happening now will be viewed as being old. You got to be yourself and hopefully be what's going to be in five years, yeah. because that's what happened with a Letterman. 
is like a Letterman. Remember, the dominant person was Carson. He came on with the anti-talk show. So everyone went, wow, this is fresh because he's not Carson. Mm -hmm. But now if everyone's trying to be Letterman and then basically Fallon is more of a Carson, then everyone goes, wow, this is fresh because everyone was trying to be more sarcastic and mean and everything like that. So if you just, yeah, you got to just. Yeah, you're right. It's it's going against the grain a little bit. Yeah. You're absolutely right. If if Fallon came out and was that curmudgeon-y guy or even like Kimmel, Mm-hmm. He wouldn't even last. He'd be like, eh, it's going to be it's the same shtick. Yeah. I've seen this. And uh, if you try to be Letterman, then it's like, well, you can't out Letterman Letterman. Right. It's, it's one mm-hmm. of the things, like, always talk about music. Some people talk about, like, you know, hey, why isn't there another Rolling Stones? Why isn't there another Metallica or another Guns N' Roses? And then people bring up, it's like, well, you're not going to out Metallica Metallica. Yeah. You're not going to out Guns N' Roses Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in I wonder, doing that. I wonder that. what happens with those guys like Letterman. And it's, I saw a picture of him. I saw a picture of John Stewart. What's going on with the big farmer beards with these guys, comedians? Once you, they have these big beards, big mm-hmm. bushy, white beards. Not they, they're done dying. No, no, Mike, yours is yours is trimmed. No, these are white as snow and look mm-hmm. like Santa Claus beards. You look like the homeless guy beard kind of thing. You see Letterman's beard? Yes. It's Unabomber beard. Don't you think it's because they can though? I mean, yeah. for but when you're must on be. television, it must be so liberating to know that you're not being filmed today what a you're not in life, hd the change i mean stewart's on a farm he lives on a farm it's yeah. even funnier yep they interviewed him. yeah they did <laughs> it's pretty wild but i mean like right? jimmy one of the reasons why i grew this beard is because i wasn't a salesman anymore i was a salesman for 15 yeah, years out of the corporate world yeah, and that and this was kind of my my I symbol guess. to myself of hey i'm in entertainment now I can have a beard whereas before when it was my opportunity that's, to do well, other that's things another thing too if you think about it you know these guys are I realize it's a job, but I wonder if they really can you. How do you flip a switch and get out of it like that? Well, did you see that the CBS uh, Gail King from the CBS uh, Morning Show yeah. interviewed him, and I did a story in the Huffington Post uh, how we should thank John Stewart, those of us who are over forty and fifty, because she said to him, she she basically said he's switching gears, he's flipping the switch. And he made it very clear he's he has not retired. He is working. He he's the mayor of the smooth smoothie shop. Yeah, he can do those sorts of things. But he's still writing and creating and doing all that stuff. So I think the whole thing is I don't think that the switch flips. I think having done it and and you've done it too, mm-hmm. you you just don't have to get up at the same time. But you're so, still your mind is still working the same way. You just don't have to show. So you think he yeah, so Stewart's just taking time off. You're saying not time time off from stepping back a little bit but doing another project. Oh yeah. He's he's, he's riding up it. a storm, you can bet. There's something else okay. coming It'll down come the out. pike. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. creative people that's don't just dry how, up. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. How did he really you know, at a farm and all of a sudden, you're raising turnips, and you were right. That's his performing. That's his wife's passion. So Is bravo really? to him. Yeah, she's just wrote a book out about animals mm-hmm. and what, learning she... about that sort of thing. That's but, why I have you on the show to fill me in on life. Yeah, well, Mike <laughs> no Sasson idea. knows it too. I just butted in. That's no, all. no. But the other thing about it is Letterman. No, Mike makes it all up. Yeah. We're getting facts. I just <laughs> here's yeah. You're actually getting facts. Yeah. I just I just confidently yeah. bullshit. We just but nod. That's actually where, if I read a pot, cop, podcast, that would be called confident bullshit. No, actually, <laughs> actually, I edit all Mike's stuff out. No one even knows it's okay. on the show. Even live on radio, he does it. Yes, but <laughs> which is tough to do. But I do technical work. Letterman is doing a documentary on climate change. He's going to be part of a National Geographic. He's going to he's going to be like a voiceover for that. Oh wow! See, uh, you know, but I mean, like, I like if, comedians to be comedians. 
Yeah. But I think that's what he wants to do. He, for too many years, he's like, I'm a real serious guy. Like, anytime he had any politician on, he'd always want to, like, ask him. Or O'Reilly, he'd kind of be more pointed yeah, and stuff I, I like guess that. You, you know, what are you going to do, right? You had freedom. Do whatever you want. But I remember when you have comedians that get to an iconic level, you, know, you don't really want to accept them in a serious room. It takes a while, doesn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. I remember Bill Murray, man, coming up for SNL. He was huge when I was a kid and trying to do serious movies. And they're like, what the hell? This is the guy from Stripes. You yeah. can't do that. The and Razor's he, Edge. Yeah, that the Razor's movie. Edge. Yeah. And it just didn't happen for him. And here, he ended up being right. Lost in translation. In other words, he ended up being right in the sense that he wanted to say, hey, I am a pretty good dramatic right. actor, man. Yeah. And he was right. Lost in translation proved it. But it mm-hmm. almost, you had to take, he was going up against his own shadow. To, to to prove what or to, to get to where he wanted to get to, you have to, he had to fight against his own shadow. Yeah, to get there. And the image that I had in my mind as a fan, like See, Robin Williams did that too, fighting the shadow. Yeah. See, I think yeah. if I took any any one of you, any of the mics, Terry, Jim, and put you know just from interviewing enough celebrities, it's just it's not that one thing. There are many creative outlets, and whether one of you chose to write a cookbook or start a cooking show or or to become a sculptor or I it's fascinating to me but there's more than one act in creative people I think mm-hmm. so. absolutely I think you're on the money uh, uh, you know Nance especially when you want to do isn't being an entertainer for a living right. you get those jobs like Stewart or, or Letterman we're talking about, that's they can tell you it's like hitting a lottery I was on a show, uh, a Rick Overton show, which is on this network, on Sideshow Network. It's a great show. And I was a guest of Rick's, and we were seeing, I remember he and I talking about how he's a wonderful comedian and actor, Rick is. And uh, he was saying, you have to have like five avenues to make this a job. Right. You have to have like five different incomes, whatever that is. Stand up, acting, this, that, you know, name it, podcasting, maybe. Whatever. However, you have to have different avenues. You just can't do just one, in other words. You need at least four or five different streams for an artist. If you want any kind of artist, probably is that way. In anything, if you're a musician, you probably have to have, right? If you're a musician, you probably have to be able to write song jingles. This, and that. I mean, all kind of different avenues, in other words, mm-hmm. to make a living at it. And that's being that's making it when you're an artist. Just make, if you can make a living at it, that's the greatest thing. Well, look at Mickey Dolan's from the Monkees. He makes furniture. Mm-hmm. He and his daughter have a uh, fine Dolan's and daughter daughter's fine furniture, and they make furniture like beautiful coffee tables. Uh, you know chess and things like wow. that it's like and but when the monkeys was popular he he said it, you know his man cave has always been a woodworking shop so he's know? always had the talent power tools yeah i would like uh, monkey bars made by mickey dolan so i have monkey bars made by a monkey <laughs> that's huh? a great sure. idea sure monkeys monkeys monkey bars a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll give him that idea that's, that's genius nice guy i met him i met mickey's got to hang out with him in there on christmas last year it was so much fun isn't he cool great guy of all the monkeys he's my favorite monkey <laughs> he always was. Yeah. I told him that. And he looked at me like a stalker. But he, we, we became friends. <laughs> he got away from you quickly. Yeah, for a while. Yeah. yeah. I scared people. Back of his, yeah, back of his head was beautiful. But uh, the thing that I always get is when people get ticked off what made them famous. Like you get like the right. Sting who does the the loot, you know, album or, you know, the guy who <laughs> That's does. That's when you get so famous. Yeah. But so you, rich. You can do that. But Like you go to a concert He's... with somebody. <laughs> And like the smash, I was watching this concert film of the Smashing Pumpkins, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm a fan of the Smashing Pumpkins, you know, my generation music." So I'm watching this two-hour special, an hour and fifty-five minutes was all of the new stuff, which was terrible. Right. <laughs> I'm just fast-forwarding through this freaking thing until they go to the five songs that we all know from the 1990s, and I'm <laughs> yeah. sitting there going, "How much do you hate your audience 
that you know they're here to hear tonight, tonight, and today, and today's a beautiful, and all that kind of stuff, and you're going to play the crap that you wrote last week. No, no well, one's here to do, no one's here to listen to that. It's funny, because thing, uh, you know, ASCAP, ASCAP means every time you play a song or whatever, that artist gets a certain percentage mm -hmm. of money, whatever, mm -hmm. and they police that. Sting makes so much money from ASCAP. They have one guy who's in charge of his money. Like one guy to write out checks. Wow. To get to this guy. And That's how big he is. So when you have that one guy who's writing checks to you every day, you can play the loop. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going to a Linda Ronstadt concert when I was a kid, and everybody was screaming, play different drum. And she's like, that song is a part of my past. And she wouldn't play it. But I remember as a kid going, what? Yeah. But you know what we should call this? We should call this the Susan Day phenomenon, because Jim can relate to this. Don't you remember when Susan Day, who was in L.A. Law, yes. she played Laurie Partridge in The Partridge Family? Mm -hmm. She never wanted to talk about that. And it's like it's like denying that. your mother or yeah. something. Mm -hmm. You know, she gave birth to you. What is that all about? Be nice. You're a psychologist. You know? Why is that? What happens? I don't. Well, I think people get te get typecast. But you know, someone like um, uh, on Leave It to Beaver, Eddie Haskell. Um, I'm blank. Ken Osmond. Yeah. He embraced the Eddie Haskell role. He admits that it it pigeonholed him for his whole life but he he acknowledges it and he you know i think that's what's great about it is is when you can just say yeah it's sort of uh, you know i did get stereotyped but it was an iconic show wasn't, and it's kind of, me, yeah you start saying weren't you kind of lucky i mean in a smaller way like i said i am uh one notch above a uh, circus clown <laughs> guy but in a 25 year <laughs> career i will get people walk up to me and some will be mean-spirited wanting to fuck with me and some will be nice <laughs> really they're mean i like how he well, smiles after he said that yeah, and some will be some nice, will be nice. <laughs> if it wasn't for comedy jimmy might have killed a couple people oh yeah absolutely two there's notes, no right there. doubt no doubt with no comedy doubt. it's been two <laughs> yes. with two comedy, instead of 35 i can vent it you know but i comedy i wouldn't be able to vent it anyone making a weird sound i'd be the quiet guy <laughs> yeah you're quiet. gulping your soda die why did you why did you off well i had to whack me <laughs> well, shut up ground his teeth <laughs> <laughs> thought he'd never shut the fuck up <laughs> not grinding now is he but I, i'm doing a i'm doing a totally different show than i did uh, for 25 years uh, and you know, guy comes up on Saturday or whatever, and, and most people are really nice. They come and say, but then you might get somebody. You know, you could tell. You know, one friend said, if you think someone's, if you think, if you think someone's attacking you verbally, because you know, sometimes people say something, you wonder, you feel weird. You wonder, if you think it, mm -hmm. you are. <laughs> so it's that one thing where you know, I didn't think I was. It was real kind stuff, like you know, uh, I liked you more in the '90s. Or I liked you more with this when you worked in this show. And I liked you more that show. And I don't like you now. But I liked you then. <laughs> and I didn't even feel as attacked, you know. It, 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 because, and I, you know, well, I just say I was, I'm proud of all those eras. Yeah. Right. Those are important eras. They were eras just like now. I think it's just as important in the, in the, in the take pride in it. And so I said, ah, thank you. That's all I say. And they don't know what to say usually. They walk away kind of baffled. <laughs> there was a famous DJ in town who was uh, a rock and roll DJ. A completely different scenario than mine. You know, think about it. I was over a quarter century and was fired. Completely different situation. Mm -hmm. And this guy was part of a team that was there for uh, eight years, ten years. 
and they went to Florida. Jim and Steve were great guys, but friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Went, and people forget sometimes, you know, this gig is radio. It's a job, you know. Yeah. But I, I, but the cool thing about it is, you know, you want people to look at it uh, bigger than life because that's part of what drew us to the gig. And it's an honor that they even take that, even that kind of time out to like and dis- or dislike you, almost getting back to what we said earlier about the dislike being an emotion. It's kind of cool right. that it's that important to them to tell you I, you, I hate you now, but I loved you then or something. Or some people say, I love you now, but I never heard, listen to you, I love you now. You get all that. Yeah. You get all that. Mm-hmm. Good. Most of it's good, thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. Majority of it. But I'm just pointing out that the mean guy, the guy and this guy goes, uh, he goes, <laughs> this was his insight. He goes, uh, so what's so what's next? <laughs> Going country? Because Jim, Jimmy Ooh. from Jimmy's team went country. He did, but so he went, he went and go. He got a gig on a country station. Yeah. Yeah. So are you going country? Like, nah. You know, it's like, it's, yeah, you're going country, right? And I'm like, nah. You know, so so it's in other words, they just can't get out of their minds, or that's uh, you're a public figure and they think they can attack you, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's a, it's just an interesting phenomena. But I don't get mad. It's weird. I don't feel I'm. I, I that guy. I felt I was being attacked. It's a troll. That guy yeah. did think was a was an attacking guy. And these are these are decent people. These are just some guy who worked. You know, some car dealership or whatever. I think he. But anyway, he's a, I mean, a normal guy. He sees the nice neighbor, nice guy. But yet, would want to insult or, or assault and assert verbally mm-hmm. try to demean you or whatever it was. Oh, no, and no. his what? How was his wife listen to the current show we listen to now? And she said, you know, I just heard of you before. I love the show. It's hysterical. Went on and on about the show now. She loved the show now. His wife did. And he made his point to say that. Because he's mad. He's jealous. He, in a weird way, yeah. And that's something. His that's wife funny. loves Jimmy Crin and he's like, that guy's not funnier than me. I guess. That's that's I don't know. I'm going to go tell him that he sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, front, in front of her. <laughs> I mean, they start going on. Think, like, well, whatever. You start, you know. Remember we did this show, because people just like to get a reaction out of you. Remember we did the <laughs> show. We were on stage doing improv. And I was the only black dude there. And Jimmy says, hey, name a location for these impressions that we're doing. Like Sean Connery, we're doing like Chris Tucker and stuff. Everyone's yelling out like nice stuff. Kenny Wood, this and that. Some guy goes, Ferguson, mm-hmm. on yeah. purpose to get a reaction. Right when it was going down. Right when still. it was going down. So I was just like, I looked at my side and said, shit, I just want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so we, oh we went with Kenny Wood. And it killed. Mm-hmm. We did Samuel Jackson and yes. like Al Pacino at Kenny, something like that. And it was great. After the show, guy comes up to me and says, hey, uh, my wife asked you to do Bane. And I said, oh, that was cool because um, she saw me do a Bane impression, I guess, online. And uh, he goes, yeah, but you were too focused on the fact that I said Ferguson just to get a reaction because people have pure evil in them. But they when do. you don't react, Do you remember me attacking? You remember me going at that guy? Oh, I remember that. Remember but, having to maybe oh, I didn't let him, pull, I didn't the, let him yeah, slide. Me pull the wall. Oh yeah, he, he jumped <laughs> in the middle because I had his look. I, but. I, I didn't let him slide on stage. Oh no, not a, it's it's one of those things where I people people just want a reaction out of you. That's why that guy did that. Because yes. his wife, think about that guy's wife wanted me to do Bane, and he's like, "Fuck that dude, I'm gonna fuck with him because my wife likes him." Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's they don't have the balls that maybe get on stage or, or maybe no one's listening to them. Who knows? What's, you're see, a psychiatrist. I, Tell me. See, I'm a psychologist. Psychologist. Psycholo- well, <laughs> that's okay. No, psychologist. No study. medication. Yeah, well, that's, that's why I'm trying to get prescriptions and she won't give me that. Yeah, why. I do no, need a sorry. refill. But the, the, thing, the thing that's interesting is once you're a celebrity and you're a public figure, it almost gives people permission to feel like they know you. They know you mm, yeah. at a different level than they know someone like me who's just walking down the street. And so I think number one that that disinhibits them a little bit 
and then and then you suddenly suddenly everyone's a critic and i think that has definitely gotten worse as you said with social media so you pair those together then you pair together with the fact that often when you're doing public appearances there's liquor involved the biggest disinhibitor (laughs) on the planet Mm -hmm. you know we've all been there most of us and and so you have that piece of it so they think they're sort of related to you they think they can say something but the other thing is whenever this kind of thing happens what they they used to teach us early on in my career is that it's a little slice of behavior so your patient comes in and your patient's hostile to you or your patient saying x y or z Mm -hmm. you're sort of seeing a slice of what's probably going out there in the real world so you know that this guy's offering up his commentary to a lot of people not just not uh, just Terry, to the audience. Jim, yeah. 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 So even the people who come up, they're, they're offering their opinion to a lot of people. Oh, and absolutely. It's yeah. For the most part. Uh, well, what, what makes them be assholes like that? I, well, <laughs> I think sometimes they feel like they know you. Sometimes people do think they're doing you a favor. I liked you better when you were, you know, doing this kind of radio mm-hmm. or that. Um, right. And I just think, you know, as my husband said, it takes a lot of different types to make the world go around and it would be very boring. But I think if everybody was nice, it would be kind of. Well, it would be boring. It would be boring. Your husband's right. It would be nothing to strive for, nothing to go for. You know, there's a guy named Dr. Peck who I read, M. Scott Peck. And a friend of mine uh, is a priest. He told me this story. He wrote the book called The Road Less Travel. And he wrote, and this priest was talking about this whole issue. And he said, Jim, I want you to get a book called People of the Lie, written by Peck. I said, okay. It wasn't as known as Road Less Travel. It was a book about evil. And how evil isn't anything that was accepted in the science world where a doctor, psychologist, with a patient, you can't determine someone's evil. If someone's in your chair, you're going to say, well, it was because of this, this, and this, uh, the parents, the childhood. You can go back to some lineage, some sort of scientific reason that the behavior is maybe this or that or categorized in some. Well, these are certain patients he had, a dozen or so, he couldn't categorize. He just couldn't. It just didn't fall into any of those things, those grids uh, like you said, you know, uh, Nancy, where, where behavior would not fit in anything that, that was taught. He put him in a file. And he finally, in a religious, he's more religious, and he openly said, and he's religious, but he said he determined they were evil. Hmm. Evil. And in the book, as you read it, you just, you, the basic of the whole book is this. It's this simple. Every human being, whether you're religious or not, whether you believe in God or not, whatever it is, whether consciously or unconsciously, every morning, when you wake up, you make a decision the very first second or whatever of the day, whether you're going to go toward good for us, God or good, whatever you believe, or evil. You will decide. There's no in the middle. Your body thought everything. Now, if you're going toward good in that conscious level, you can stumble. He's, the Peck said we're all marble cake. We're not perfect, in other words. But at least you're striving. You'll fall. You'll do something evil. You'll say something bad. But you're the one who will maybe go back in a tone. Sorry. It'll bother you. Whatever. The one who doesn't has no conscience. So, point I'm making is, he said, when you're a public figure, where are you going with this, Jim? I said, well, I absolutely and undoubtedly am trying to go toward God for me. Good, if you don't believe in God or whatever. I'm trying. Fail, yes. Marble cake, yes. Stumble, more than anybody. But trying. So he said, Jim, if anyone's listening to you who decided, whether on a conscious or unconscious level, to go the other way, 
They are not going to like anything you say, anything you do, any comedy you bring. They will not like it. They will just, they will not, it, every fiber of their being will not like it because your decision at some level proves their decision wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, after I got fired, the people that I have met that supported me, to me, they're all people trying or trying to go toward good. There was a similarity of these, really, people come up to me, people I met, people I became friends with and rallied around. Yeah, and I'd rather go, but I, I believe that. I think that there's a certain thing that drawn to or what it proves, it's that simple in other words. I, I, I think it's an interesting uh, philosophy. It is, but don't you think it's important, and I think all of you will agree, I think, that by understanding uh, that there are people who don't want you to do well, who are there to, whether it's stealing your joke, stealing your business idea, Evil. thwarting, no jumping, you know, stealing, uh, grabbing right. fan, you know, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. If you know that they're out there, you work harder. You, as you know, Mike was saying, you keep doing it. You you write better jokes. You do. Uh, it's almost like we have to know that's out there because if we just assume everybody's good and gracious, somebody's going to step in and and grab or st step in and get in the way of your positive journey in a way. I mean, you're maybe right. that's not right, but I think it helps to know I, there's I think, the mean girls out there. No, you no, know? I think you're on the money on that because it, even with that book, again, people that lie going back to, he said, you know, most people that are that way going toward that, that darkness or the evil, uh, they use the mask. They use the mask mm -hmm, of good. Mm -hmm. That's why you'll see priests that do these horrible things we read or somebody in, you know, a positive imagery or whatever doing something really bad yeah that's the mask mm -hmm. he said that's they do do that so that's kind of what you're saying that there's a mask you have to be really under if you understand it you could almost sense it you can kind of feel some people drain you some people right. just mm -hmm. like vampires draining of energy mm -hmm. you kind of know that don't which you? that does can, exist it Ener does energy vampires it does i'll send right. you guys a link about it but uh, you know me, conspiracies. I'm in the conspiracy. You know, Nancy, you had a really great point where you talked about how people love to share their opinion because they feel like they need to get it out so bad. And with social media, like we have blogs now, we have, uh, you know, someone can tweet you now. Back in the 90s, no one could tweet right. you and say, That's hey, true. Jimmy Crane, you know, and they was they were sending you letters and then right. there was email and now there's Twitter where they feel so close uh, to you. and they can. But it's if you think about it, what we do with comedy is the only art form where you can actually go up to the artist and tell them what you think. You can't do that with any other art form. After a 50 Cent concert, I unless I have a backstage pass, I can't go, you know what, 50, you should have played in the club. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. When comedy, it's the only art form where you're greeting people afterwards. Hey, you did a great job. Oh, Jimmy Crane, you killed Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy, I love you all these years. Then you get the one guy that goes, hey, you're a fucking asshole. Like yeah, that guy. Exactly. Is You only have that one person, but this is the only art form you could do that. That's true. And it's also, I agree. And it's also the only art form in which you need people. Exactly. <laughs> because the thing about it is music, you can practice by yourself and become really good in a, in right. a, in a room. But in terms of comedy, I always say that when I go to an open mic mm -hmm. and, you know, there's been four or five people in front of me that maybe they're working towards it. I always sit there and say, understand, people, you're doing a great service because this is the only art form in which if you want to get good at it, you need an audience. Yeah. Everybody well, else, you don't musician, need it. You literally, if I played incredible violin, I could walk on stage and not look at you. Uh -huh. Yeah. And do my hour and walk off. Absolutely. Not even look at you. 
the Miles audience. Davis did that. And get a standing ovation. You're right. He's right. the greatest. Do my thing. And he's a true artist or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we could. Could you imagine going on stage and not looking like this? No. no. Could, you have to engage. Remember Miles Davis used to do that? He yes. used to turn his back. Great. To great. the audience and play. Yeah. I you you, know you, you paid cra- hundreds of dollars to see this dude's back sat. Yeah. He as he played music. To, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also you can. It's interesting. And also in music, Eric Clapton tonight. Someone would pay him half a million dollars, whatever, to show up and play a song he wrote 40 years ago and play and, and or even play someone else's song, play a cover. And someone will say, you know what? I want to listen to Eric Clapton play, play guitar. Let us of a comic play does something he did, you know, last year or even like Amy Schumer. We talked about did a joke that was similar yeah. to someone did something 15. She has to answer questions and everything like that. It's a, you know, it's, what's interesting with, with radio, though, yeah. being a radio performer. It's weird phenomena, but I do get the requests. Like I'll do, I do bits that were pl- replayed, yeah. and I'll, in the middle of my show, I'll get requests. Yeah, do Stanley's Halloween. Do what it, they'll even know the title of the bit, mm-hmm. and want you to do the bit and character. Right that's there. legendary. And that's when you know you're that. legendary. It's like a song. It becomes like a song yeah. or something like yeah. that. So it's pretty cool. And radio. That's the beauty of radio. Radio. That's the interesting of morning radio. That's why I love morning radio so much. It's the closest. That's that connect. There's nothing better in that connection than radio, and that's why I love podcasting so much. It's it's an intimate connection that we have right now with you listening. It's incredible. It's right there with why I started in radio. Same feeling I have doing podcasting. I I, I loved it. So from the very first time we did this podcast. I love it because of that vibe of freedom and connecting with people. And that's what's great about radio. You're caught. You're conversing. You become their friend. You connect. And I do feel like I know you when you come up to me and talk because I because I imagine talking to you right now. That's why I do feel when people come up. I do feel they know me. And that's why that guy who said that things. He didn't know me. That uh, guy, the guys who insult your girls, they're they're mean. They they don't know you because they're not even they're not even seeing anything. The people that know you almost know detail what you did. Exactly. They also know everything. They know more about you. In other words, these people are just people right. that are just deciding to be jagoffs for the most part. The mean people. And also that person, he. He sits there and he's stayed the same since the 1990s. <laughs> yeah. And so when he meets someone, That's true. when someone he sits there and says, "Hey, wait a minute, you've why are you grown? Changing? Why are you changing? Yes. Does that mean That's that true, what I believe is wrong? What that means that I'm over?" And mm-hmm. the answer is, "Sir, if you're listening, yes." But why, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I always think, "Why Betty not hit a adapt? Moment. Why not adapt to, for instance, the morning show we're doing? Here's this guy saying this, okay? And I told him, I said, I said, "Do you like? Uh, did you like pants in that? Did you like Ralph the cat?" Did you like Ben Clingston? Did you like? I went down and he goes, yes, 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 love him. I go, I do them. I just did them. They're all over this show. They're yeah. all over this show. Do you like Bon Jovi? Yes. Do you like uh, Nirvana? Yes. Do you like uh, Tom Petty? Yes. They're on this show. I just played them today. Yeah. So there, there's someone who's refusing. You're right to change. He's scared because if he changed, if he even gave it a chance. He would go, oh, it's really uh, new new bits and different bits, but there's still some of the old. There's a mixture, and okay, I get Tom Petty. Maybe I don't get Metallica, but I get Nirvana. Maybe I don't get whatever. And yeah. blah, blah, blah. is a, but it's changing, evolving. And then, oh, for God forbid, you get a taste of who's selling out stadiums and selling sixty million records today in 2015, right. which is what you also get. You get introduced to that, and. I have a feeling though once he heard you interview cousin it he's pro- he's probably on board so I, I think, think I think we much. need to embrace him he's he's coming back I got a yeah. feeling <laughs> more cousin it interviews mm-hmm. will 
do it. Uh, Nancy was nice enough to get me Cousin It from the Adams Family. Felix Silla. He was good. He was awesome, yeah. He was very nice, which is the biggest interview of my career. I grew up with Cousin (laughs) It, my favorite all time. Better than Bill Clinton. I had interviewed Bill Clinton, President Obama, Tom Cruise. Not as great as Cousin Cousin It, man. Come on, he was the man. He's it. I bet you Katie uh, Katie Holmes likes him better, too. I would bet, yes. Katie Holmes would love Cousin It. I want to party with him. And he's going to be on this podcast, I hope, one day. He comes into town, Nancy. you got to get him for us. I will. I will. Nancy knows all these famous people. It's hysterical. She's the most unassuming, kind person. Mm-hmm. She's brilliant. She's a star in and of herself. Oh, stop. And knows all is. these people. Absolutely. Her podcast is Wine at Nine. Catch it. Also, writer in Parade Mag- for Parade Magazine and Huffington Post. Just amazing, amazing uh, uh, talent. And, and we're lucky. We have him on our, our show on Q92.9. She's on every... Every Monday morning, she's on at eight fifteen uh, every week. Because she won't get up any early. We gotta get. <laughs> <laughs> That's I don't blame you. No, but eight fifteen, you can catch uh, Nance on our show. And th- thanks for doing a podcast. It was nice of you to stop by the podcast. Thank you. It's always so much fun to see all of you. You're so gracious. To and me, we're gonna in, in in the tri-state and, and even nationally. I hope we're gonna do Nancy. Nancy actually come with the idea, and I'm just gonna tag along. No. But we're gonna talk about this. Uh, we have this idea. Nancy came with that initially. Uh, he said, she said type of show. Where Nancy and I do a show, and we just talk about different subjects and give our viewpoint of what the, the woman's point of view, man's point of view. I love that. Yeah, like, like I could see the discussion about like cargo pants and then Jim yes. going, what's this about leggings? I you can, know? Yes. And like- <laughs> I will not only learn, but I will also I will teach because I'm going to go on the internet and get a doctorate so I can be Doctor Kren. It's going to be in something uh, <laughs> like stargazing or something. I don't I don't know what they can offer on the internet. Mike, how'd you get your doctorate on the internet? Um, illegally. Okay. <laughs> Nancy's is legit. Nancy's yeah, hers real, is legitimate. She's a, yeah. She earned her degree. She worked, worked hard, but I just study. I got to buy one or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to be Doctor Kren. <laughs> yeah. I can't. You know, they'll see yeah. Doctor Burke and Jim Kren. I can I think be, I be like Dr. Crane. I think they like you better as a normal guy. You're though. right. Uh, I do have a. Yeah. I have a Bachelor of Science from IEP. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I could be BS Crane. BS Crane. That's good. That's good. I can practice medicine in Guatemala. That's just me. I think that's good. smart. Yeah. You know Whoa. you can. Buddy of mine is a doctor. He's, he's a pre-med in uh, genius, actually. Going to be a neuro. Got accepted to medical school. Uh, in in uh, It's Josh Foley, his brother, actually. In oh. He was telling me that you could, when you go to like these third world countries, you literally they need surgeons so bad, you could do it. They have you, pre, they have these med, pre med students doing a lot of surgeries. Oh my That's god! That's deep. Not heavy, heavy ones, but still, you're doing basic surgeries. Yeah. Still. It's a great learning experience, but that's what it is when you're in a third world country. That's a wow. Steve Gutenberg movie. It's Remember that world. called Bad Medicine, where they all yeah. went down there. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's, I didn't know that. See, I y'all got good idea. I'm just gonna buy Bill Cosby's because they're taking everything away from him. So. <laughs> Let's buy his doctor. Can you I give figured, me one of his doctorates? Yo, we might be able to I'll buy one in on eBay care. for like 10 bucks. He has now. a garage sale of doctorates. I yeah. doctor <laughs> There's doctorates at the record exchange right now that were Bill Cosby's and he's just like, do you want to be a doctor today? Because yeah, really? I need money. <laughs> Nobody will book me anymore. <laughs> the children hate me. <laughs> Vladimir Putin wouldn't even oh book me for anything. <laughs> that's horrible. How long did it take you to become a doctor? Oh. Get a doctorate? Well, you do. Well, you do your bachelor, so that's right. four years. Okay, it took then, me six. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> then it's then it's four years of graduate school and one year of an internship. So it's eight, nine years. About eight or nine years yeah, to become a doctor or something. 
like denying. That in psych- but, in psychology. But, and then it, it takes a lot of people a little longer because, you know, they don't finish their dissertation or whatever. But I had a professor who was like on me, like, just keep Real, going, keep get going. get it done? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Right. Don't you have to pick something unique? Yeah. Like your yeah. theme or something crazy. What was yours? What was your Mine was on Are you ready for this? Go. Anticipatory nausea and vomiting and anxiety in chemotherapy patients. Really? I wow. worked a lot with cancer patients. So wow. I, we looked at that and and that was in the day when there was a lot of right. of nausea and vomiting with chemo that wasn't that was some of it was psychological because your brain starts associating the chemo with getting sick and 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 so they didn't have the anti-nausea meds that they have now and now that's really become not as much of an issue at all so yeah yeah, so that was my that was my serious time right yeah i would say damn it was it was it was fascinating i'm just gonna get mine on the internet's easier wow yeah (laughs) that sounds like a lot of work that is crazy that people do (laughs) but i was not a puppet i did not take a puppet class like jim crendon this is true i did take puppetry class me and my buddy rod which is i got an a which is excited about nice I'm a, I'm a professional master. puppet master. Yeah. Yeah. Puppet master. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Thank right. you, Nance, for joining the show. Thank as you. always, and uh, we appreciate everyone listening. We all, we always have a great time. We appreciate you downloading or streaming on the Sideshow Network. Jim Cran, no restrictions on the Sideshow Network. Hey, everybody, it's Jim Cran of Jim Cran, no restrictions. I just wanted to take the time out to thank you for listening to the show. We have a little over 100,000 subscribers now every week listening to the show. Go to SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or JimCran.com and subscribe today. And thanks again. If your business, whether large or small, is in need of commercial collections, choose PrimeCore Group. PrimeCore Group is a Pittsburgh-based corporate collections agency. Now, if your business is owed money, PrimeCore Group is there to help you. On a contingency basis only, PrimeCore Group will recover what is owed to you in a professional and trusted manner. Contact PrimeCore Group today by going to primecoregroup.com.